Welcome. This is Raul Lowry Contreras, and I'm so happy that you're here today. We've experienced a, a rough few days, and I want to bring you up to date on what's going on in Washington. But first, at 9.48 in the morning, the morning of January 28th, 1982, nine years before September 11th, 2001, terrorism in the form of political murder changed Los Angeles and me. What? Yes, foreigners brought political murder to America. Two terrorists shot and killed the Turkish consul general in the morning of January 28, 1982, while he was sitting in his car at Comstock and Wilshire Boulevard in Los Angeles, waiting for a traffic light to change. They weren't just foreign terrorists. They were terrorists from America's newest European immigrants, Armenians. They were, they were new in 1982. 1982 was a long time ago, so why bring it up now, in 2020? Well, a few days ago, California's new governor, the pride of Santa Clara University, Gavin Newsom, stepped up as a real governor and defied California's very wealthy half-million-person Armenian community by rejecting parole for Hampig Sassoonian, otherwise known as Harry. Of the two murderers that day, Sassoonian was the only one identified, captured, and convicted. Hampig, you see, was the 19-year-old murderer who stepped up to the council's car at that Westwood intersection and emptied a pistol into the council, killing him on that bright, sunny California morning. Witnesses saw him do it. Other witnesses saw him running from the scene. Other witnesses saw him enter a car and speed away. They wrote down his license number. And this is really the dumb criminal part. The car was registered in his name. The jury convicted him of murder and of killing the consul general because the diplomat was Turkish. You see, the law at that time was a little different. If you could prove that someone killed somebody because of their race or nationality, that was an additional uh, condition, for example, no parole. That change, or that decision by the jury, allowed the judge to sentence Hampig to life without possibility of parole. Organized Armenian groups rallied to Sassoonian's defense and raised money for his defense. Which group? Remember this name, the Armenian Revolutionary Federation. A-R-F. As late as this week, his legal fees have been paid and are paid by organized Armenian fundraising efforts of the A-R-F. His lawyers at one point convinced an appeals court that the council's generals being a Turk or being Turkish didn't compel Hampig Sassoonian to kill the council general. He killed him because he was an official Turkish diplomat. I don't see much difference there, but it was a big deal. It was a big deal because it took the death penalty off the table and made Hampig eventually eligible for parole. Now, Governor Newsom has joined the exclusive club with former Governor Pat Brown Jr., the exclusive club of not pardoning Hampig Sassoonian, Armenian terrorist and murderer. By coincidence, 
The very day Governor Newsom rejected parole for Sassoonian, I came across a newly unearthed excerpt from the United States Congressional Record. If you don't know, that's the official record of the United States House of Representatives. And uh, congressmen insert uh, speeches, uh, articles, whatever. As a matter of fact, some of my work, uh, an essay I wrote about Cinco de Mayo some 20 years ago, uh, caught the eye of a congressman from Texas, and he inserted that article into the uh, congressional record. So uh, it's, it's a very widely uh, used resource uh, for researchers because it, it's the up-to-date uh, uh, debate and uh, positions that are taken in Congress. Congressman Frank E. Hook, Democrat of Michigan, on May 4th, 1945, inserted an article into the congressional record about, get this, this is still the war, World War II was still going on, about Armenian support in America of Adolf Hitler and of Hitler's Holocaust that killed millions of European Jews. Support by whom? Well, let's look at some of the things Congressman Hook said. Quote, the Armenian Revolutionary Federation, ARF, also known as Dashnax, that's spelled D-A-S-H-N-A-K-S. Some people spell it D-A-S-H-N-A-G-S. It, the ARF, with a long record of terrorist fascist activities. The September 17th issue, the September 17th of 1936 issue of their Armenian language newspaper, spelled H-A-I-R-E-N-I-K, pronounced, I'm doing my best here, Hui Renik, Hui Renik, edited daily by propaganda chief Ruben Darbinian. Here are statements from Armenian Hurenik. Quote, Italy has not only become regenerated by fascism, but has become an empire nation as a military power in international politics. Germany has not only become regenerated by Hitlerism, but has turned her face to the east and displays her fist to Moscow. That was four years before Hitler attacked Russia. Hitlerism and fascism, which are the stepsons of Bolshevism and begotten by it, are Germany's gift to mankind, unquote. The, con the congressional record further states, quote, to understand the role of the American Revolutionary, the, I'm sorry, the Armenian Revolutionary Federation, ARF, it is necessary to briefly review Armenian history for ARF misdeeds in America are rooted in the ideologies it fostered in the stormy, feud-infested underworld of the Near East. Some people call it the Eurasian area. Quote, again, from the congressional record. By a curious twist of diplomacy, the ARF became rulers for about two years, 1918 through 1920, of the territory now comprising Soviet Armenia. Being used to revolutionary methods, however, they failed as government administrators. End of quote. For the record, 
I have seen skulls of little children who were executed by one shot to the back of the head by Armenian Dashnaks who waged war on Azerbaijan in 1918. They were trying to capture Baku, the capital of Azerbaijan, because it was a world-renowned oil production center. The Armenians wanted the oil because they had none. The bodies of those children were thrown into deep wells to get rid of the bodies of thousands of Azerbaijanis who were murdered by Armenian troops. This mass murder was documented at the peace conference in Versailles in France and was uh, thoroughly documented and blame was properly laid on Armenians and Bolshevik allies of theirs. These post-imperial Russian-dominated Armenians, according to Congressman Hook, quote, engaged in a series of expansionist wars which ended disastrously, unquote. Hook, quote, after purloining the national treasury, they stole the money, Dashnag leaders were ousted from power. Many, we know, went to America, to Massachusetts, Michigan, and California. California said that once, or I'm sorry, Congressman Hook said that once the Soviets took over, quote, exiled Dashnag leaders have entered into a web of intrigue with any power which promised to place them in the saddle again. In 1933, the new chancellor of, of Germany, Adolf Hitler, lavishly promised everything to everybody and looked with particular favor on any disgruntled clique which could pave the way for his policy of reaching the Caucasian oil fields. In mass revivalist meetings marked with wild religious frenzy, they, the Armenians, worshipped their defunct Armenian regime. Unquote. Armenia brags that it is one of the first Christian nations. Congressman Hook describes in detail how the Dashnaks rejected Armenia's relig religiosity with the Archbishop Turian story. Quote, on July 1, 1933, Archbishop Leon Turian, primate of the Armenian Church in North and South America, refused to speak at Amer Armenian Day at the Chicago Fair unless the Dashnag flag was removed. He demanded that only the American flag appear. The audience roared with approval in his favor. From then on, the infuriated ARF press denounced the archbishop as a traitor and a Soviet agent. Hurenik, the magazine, began to print letters threatening his life. Samples, quote, Archbishop Turian will be punished sooner or later. The day of reckoning will come. He is going to be sorry for it and very sorry. Until Turian is punished ruthlessly, the bones of our martyrs will not rest in their places. Unquote. Quote, when the bishop asked for police protection, Hurnek denounced him for seeking the protection of alien police. Remember, he was in Chicago. Alien police, as interpreted by these Armenians, is American police. They were in America. In December 1933, quote, 
While celebrating Christmas Mass in the Holy Cross Church in New York, the Archbishop was murdered by a gang of Dashnak assassins in the favorite Dashnak manner, a butcher knife plunged deep into his groin. Two ARF officials were convicted of first-degree murder. Seven other Dashnaks were convicted of first-degree manslaughter. The convictions were all appealed, but the convictions stood. While the ARF press spoke of indignant jurymen, false witnesses, and slurred the American judiciary, it referred to its nine cutthroat assassins as our blameless comrades, unquote. On Adolf Hitler and Nazis, the Armenian Dashnak press said, and I quote, Adolf Hitler, after Herculean struggles, spoke to the racial heart string of the German, opened the fountain of his national genius, struck down the spirit of defeatism. Now there is a Germany, strong, united, aggressive, proud, and self-reliant, unquote. The Dashnak Press wrote that Hitler provided a, quote, well-organized and planned policy. Since Hitler's assumption of power, at no time the German thought has been so explicit, clear, and rich as now. And whatever outsiders may think concerning Hitlerism and fascism as a system of government, it is proved that they have revitalized and regenerated the two states, Germany and Italy. Armenians and Jews. Congressman Hook quotes from a series, quote, a series of three lengthy front-page articles written by a Dashnak who just returned from Germany, published by Hurenik. They extol the Nazi regime, the myth of Aryan culture, and whitewashing Nazi persecution. Speaking of Jews, the Armenian Dashnaks further wrote, Jews of all people, being the most fanatical nationalists and race worshippers, wherever they go, they are compelled to create an atmosphere and the rights and customs of internationalism and world citizenship in order to preserve their race exaltation pure. As the British used battleships to occupy lands and to protect their fatherland, in this same way the Jew uses internationalism or communism as a weapon. Unquote. Congressman Hook continued the quote with this most terrifying paragraph published by Armenian Dashnaks. Quote, Sometimes it is difficult to eradicate these poisonous elements when they have already struck deep roots like a chronic disease and eradicate them in an uncommon method. These attempts and methods are regarded revolutionary. During a surgical operation, the flow of blood is a natural thing. Under such conditions, dictatorship seems to have the role of a savior. Unquote. So, in fact, Armenian Dashnaks were calling Jews of Europe poisonous elements and the Holocaust a surgical operation to cleanse Europe from these elements. Quote, the flow of blood is a natural thing, unquote. What a way 
to define the final solution of Adolf Hitler. Congressman Hook. Hurenek Weekly is the English language organ of the Dashnaks. That was edited in Boston at the time by James Mandalian, the weekly voiced political sentiments of the mother publication. The August 9, 1935 issue started off with a reference to the Jewish-controlled film industry, then ascribed Armenian massacres that they've been calling the Great Genocide to the Turkish Jews of Salonika because that's in Turkey, because of the Jewish love of gain. In other words, their Jewish love of money. The May 10th, 1935 issue quoted the vice mayor of Bucharest, Romania, as saying, quote, the Armenians, meaning Dashnaks, have helped us Romanians not to become slaves of the Jewish elements, unquote. More from the weekly, quote, and the type of Jew who is imported to Palestine is not anything to be proud about. Their loose morals and other vices, which were unknown to the Arabs prior to the Belfort Declaration, on top of all communistic activities, were the cause of most of the Arab criticism, unquote. That, ladies and gentlemen, is true fantasy. Armenians, race and general Neje. Race is ultimate in Armenian thought, Congressman Hook's record, congressional record maintained. Just as the myth of an Aryan super race was conceived by the Nazis to rekindle hope among the defeatist and frustrated German masses, Dashnaks added race worship to the cult of flag worship. A few months before the murder of the Archbishop, Hernick September 27, 1933, published an article on racial religionism, explaining the need for racial convulsions, try mass murder, in order to achieve racial awakening. Unquote. Hook said, quote, the organizer of the racial religious orders was an American, I'm sorry, an Armenian military hack named General Garrigan Nejje, N-E-J-D-E-H, Nejde. Nejde, quote, that's what the general said. He was a general. Quote, today Germany and Italy are strong because as a nation they live and breathe in the terms of race. That was published April 10th, 1936. Congressman Hook, quote, adapting the slogan, youth, heart, and iron, Nejde generally modeled Dashnak youth upon the Hitler youth pattern. At first called racial patriots, later they became known as Shegargrans. Composed of two words, Sheg, T-Z-E-G-H, race, and G-R-O-N, meaning religion. Race worshipers. From this point on the dope of decadent race worship, dead hero worship, and defunct flag worship was injected into the young Shesgergan minds. Whipped into strict discipline, urged never to marry non-Armenians lest they pollute the purity of the Armenian race, Dashnag leaders pursued the nationalist credo that Armenianism and Armenian race nationalism be retained at all costs, unquote. 
equally significant, according to Congressman Hook, is an item in Newsweek of the November of November 12, 1941, entitled Armenjan Puppet State. In it, we find, quote, the Nazis have promised the Dashnags an autonomous state similar to Croatia in return for their cooperation. The May 3, 1935 issue carried a letter from a Nazi named Helmut Lang answering the query of a Shesgaran on the on Germany's attitude towards ARF aims or goals. Quote, National Socialism is the mainstay of the national idea and the determined opponent of thraldom. We Germans cannot but recognize your Armenian claims as thoroughly legitimate. Your aim is and must be Armenian rebirth to Armenian liberty in the Armenian spirit. We Germans want to have our countrymen free from foreign yoke, you as an Armenian patriot want to have Armenia free again. That brings us back to today. Governor Newsom rejected Hampig Sassoonian's parole because he had evidence that outweighed by negative factors the possibility of parole. That evidence shows, according to Governor Newsom, he, Sassoonian, remains unsuitable for parole at this time, unquote. Three years ago, then-Governor Brown also rejected parole for terrorist Sassoonian by the California Parole Board after receiving a letter from then-Secretary of State Rex Tillerson and then-Attorney General Jeff Sessions. Whatever they said represented the thinking of President Donald J. Trump. For that... We must compliment President Trump for Sassoonian should never see the outside of a prison again. 19-year-old Sassoonian and his Armenian supporters tried to kill the rule of law in Los Angeles in 1982. By the way, it was the second assassination of a Turkish council in Los Angeles. Nine years earlier, in 1973, another Armenian terrorist named Gurgen Yanikian killed another Turkish consul general and his deputy. Governor Dukmajan, who was an Armenian himself, pardoned Yanakian, I'm sorry, uh, in 1984, but he did so for medical reasons. He died a month or two after. It is widely believed that Yanikian's act was the inspiration for the founding of Armenian terrorists that killed the Turkish Council in 1982. And the group that came out of that, the uh, acronym is ASALA, ASALA, committed terror attacks against Turkish diplomats all over the world, assassinating over 40 of them and their family members up until the 1990s. So for about a 20-year period, these guys went nuts killing, assassinating Turkish diplomats and their families all over the world. Now, instead of the old Dashnaks and Nazi supporters who worked like termites to kill democracy from within by siding with Adolf Hitler and assassinating prominent churchmen and some in Europe even volunteering for the World War II German army to fight against Americans in the south of France, they have reorganized in the USA as, new name, the Armenian National Committee of America, 
A-N-C-A, Anka. They had some successes in the U.S. in the early 1990s when they convinced a Democratic U.S. Congress, U.S. Senate, to impose sanctions on the country Armenia invaded in 1992, which is Azerbaijan. Then U.S. Senator John Kerry was their point man in the Senate. He later became Secretary of State and also a candidate for president. Armenia, led by Soviet army-trained officers and some Russian army units, not only invaded an area with some Armenians living in it, but it continued the invasion of and occupation of seven more Azerbaijani districts. Armenia occupied 20% of the internationally recognized nation of Azerbaijan. It still occupies that 20%. It forced a million Azerbaijani civilians out of their homes, expelled them from their own territory, from their own country. That was the largest expulsion of an ethnic population from their homes since World War II through 1992. The United Nations General Assembly and Security Council have combined. It passed five different UN resolutions demanding Armenia vacate the 20% of Azerbaijan it has occupied since 1992. Armenia refuses to acknowledge and implement these resolutions. Under the influence of the Armenian special interests in 1992, the U.S. Congress rewarded the aggressor, Armenia, and punished the victim, Azerbaijan, punished the victim of aggression and occupation, which is, as I said, Azerbaijan. Again, for the record, despite my serving eight years as a United States Marine between 1959 and 1967, I had never heard a shot fired in anger until I was standing on the line of conflict between invader Armenians and defender Azerbaijanis three years ago. I witnessed an artillery barrage by Armenians in southwest Azerbaijan. I also observed artillery shell damage on farmhouses miles within Azerbaijan caused by artillery shells fired from Russian-provided big guns by Armenian soldiers. Organized Armenian groups led by the Armenian National Committee of America, ANCA, were able to persuade the U.S. Congress to cut aid to Azerbaijan in the post-Soviet years and to funnel billions of dollars in aid to Armenia. Despite these billions, Armenia continued to shrink and has become a Russian puppet state. The Russian army has its largest base in Armenia. Armenian borders with the Republic of Georgia, Turkey, Azerbaijan, and Iran are manned by Russian soldiers and border guards. Armenia's army is run by the Russian army, by a Russian general. Armenia grudgingly sent a few dozen soldiers to help the U.S. in Afghanistan and Iraq, but they didn't want to do it, and in fact, they wouldn't put them under the command of Americans. They put them under command of Germans. And last year, at the behest of Russia, Armenia sent a contingent to Syria to help Bashar Assad's murderous regime. Russia paid the bill. The question remains, why would the U.S. help Armenia with Armenian, with American taxpayer money, and where has 
over $2 billion gone. Armenia is bankrupt as a nation, as a government, and survives on three outside sources. Money from Russia, money from the U.S. government, and remittances from abroad. We're not talking 2% of the G, of the uh, country's GDP uh, in the form of remittances like in Mexico. No, we're talking like 30, 35% of their whole GDP is remittances or are remittances from abroad. The Armenian populations of Russia, France, and the United States outnumber the population of Armenia, a population of 3 million that is shrinking every single year. Armenia, according to the Anti-Defamation League here in America, is also the second most viciously anti-Semitic nation in all of Europe. No wonder that since Armenia became independent, its Jewish population has shrunk from an estimated 10,000 Jews in 1960 to an estimated 300 today. That might be 1,000, but we don't know for sure. Behind all the billions of dollars sent to Armenia by the U.S. since 1992 is ANCA, an American-Armenian organization that works on behalf of Armenia, which happens to be a Russian puppet state. They want more money. ANCA wants Congress to vote more money. ANCA is the lobbyist arm of Dashnaks who advocated for Nazis and the Holocaust during my lifetime. In February, Anka announced it was going to fight the Trump administration's cut of aid to Armenia by demanding Congress vote $100 million worth of aid for the 3 million person Armenia, plus a million and a half to its occupied puppet government of Nagorno-Karabakh, an Armenian occupied territory of Azerbaijan. It also wants Congress to lift U.S. government restrictions that ban U.S. government officials from traveling to Azerbaijan's occupied Karabakh region without Azerbaijan's official permission. They also demand to cut off all military aid to American ally Azerbaijan. It should be noted that Azerbaijan granted air transit and landing rights to American military traffic to and from Iraq and Afghanistan since September 11, 2001. Azerbaijan has become the most important U.S. ally and partner in the Caspian region. The two countries cooperate in crucial areas from fighting against international terrorism to energy security. And let us not forget, Americans do a lot of business in Azerbaijan. We have a good trading relationship with them. In Armenia, in Armenia, however, not much has changed. The same generals that collaborated with Nazi Germany are being glorified in Armenia as national heroes. In 2016, the Armenian government unveiled a statue to the Armenian Nazi collaborator, our friend, Garigan Nezdeh. The president of Armenia and other government officials were all in attendance when the statue was unveiled. Nezde, who also created the aforementioned race-worshipping religion, has other statues in Armenia, Armenia, a square, a town square, and a metro station in Yerevan are named, Yerevan is the capital of Armenia, 
in Yerevan, a, a square, a metro station, and several statues commemorate, memorialize General Nezdeh. Shockingly, and this is really, really bad news, his legacy, which I read to you earlier about racial worship, is being taught to Armenian kids in their schools today, using American taxpayers' money to do so. From a, Nush, a Russian news agency, we have some information about General Nezdeh. In 1942, the general formed units from captured Armenian Red Army soldiers into the German army. There were at least uh, eight or nine battalions of uh, Armenian soldiers in the German army. On December 15, 1942, General Nezde became one of the seven members of the Armenian National Council established by the Germans. According to historians, Armenian militarized formations, that's battalions, led by Nezde, created in Germany, took an active part in operations to capture Crimea and attacks on the Caucasus, and Armenian battalions, infantry battalions, fought Americans in the south of France when the Americans invaded there. Drastamat, Kanayan, or Kanayan, known under the name of General Dro, that's much easier, General Do, assisted General Nezd in the creation of the infamous Armenian Legion. About 30,000 Armenians responded to the call of Dro and joined the Nazi German army. At the end of the war, General Nezde was arrested and sentenced to 25 years in prison. General Dro, the other Nazi collaborator, is also a hero in Armenia. The country's Ministry of Defense founded an institute and a medal in his honor. So now we have an interesting situation. Armenia glorifies its Nazi collaborators. It is the second most anti-Semitic nation in Europe, according to the Anti-Defamation League, and the closest ally of Russia and Iran in the South Caucasus region. However, the Armenian special interests such as ANCA, the Armenian National Committee of America, an offspring of pro-Nazi and pro-Holocaust-Dashnaks, demands U.S. taxpayer money for Armenia. And congresspersons like Adam Schiff, you know that name, Brad Sherman, Judy Chu, Frank Pallone and Senator, U.S. Senator Bob Menendez of New Jersey fully support the Armenian lobby in ripping off the American taxpayer. Let me wrap up this segment of the Contreras Report and Hispanic View of the USA with these words. Armenia shouldn't receive 10 cents of American taxpayer money today or ever. And we should demand that the money we pumped into there when they declared independence from the Soviet Union, we should demand that money be returned to the American taxpayer. Well, we're going to go into another segment now. And I ask that you bow your head for a second and think about a man named George Floyd in Minneapolis who was killed by a police officer who was kneeling on his neck with his full weight while Floyd was on the ground, handcuffed and held by two other officers. 
Mr. Floyd had a knee on his neck, pressing him to the ground for over eight minutes. And when the emergency uh, people showed up, the, AT, the ETMs, he was dead. He had no pulse. The white officer and the other three officers, one of which was a native from Thailand, were all fired the next day, but no one was arrested. But finally, the officer who had his knee on Floyd's neck was arrested and charged with murder in the third degree and manslaughter. The other three officers, as of this recording, have not been arrested, as, uh, uh, but I'm sure they will. But the protests then started. Now, here's some things that didn't happen at the time. Now, the videotape that was taken by bystanders, the whole tape was on the Internet within minutes. The whole world had access to that videotape within minutes, within a half hour. And not a word came from the White House. Not a single word. The governor, the mayor, the governor of Minneapolis or Minnesota and the mayor all said something. The policemen were fired within 24 hours. The White House didn't say anything. President Donald J. Trump didn't say a word. The protest started. Now, that was a week ago, uh, on Monday. Um, then the protests started small, and uh, they started expanding. By the weekend, 10,000 National Guardsmen had been called out by various governors to patrol the streets of their cities. Over 4,000 people were arrested on the last weekend of May, the first, uh, the, the last two days of May. And the president finally said something. He had a conference call with mayors and, and governors, and he called them weak. And he told them, he ordered them to be strong, to dominate their streets, to take force to the streets and stop the protests that were turning violent. Yes, fires, Molotov cocktails, shooting, the terrorism that we know of our cities started in the usual suspect cities, Baltimore, St. Louis, Chicago, Detroit, New York City, Los Angeles, yes. But this time it was different. There were protests in New Zealand, in England, in Canada. And there were protests in a small town in San Diego County, California, a town called La Mesa, that means the table in Spanish. It has 60,000 people, probably 90% or so are uh, white non-Hispanics, and maybe seven, maybe up to 10% uh, Hispanic and about two or three percent black. 
Very small number of blacks. But then again, it's San Diego County. We're only 5% of the population of 3 million is black. And in California, only 7% of the entire state of California, the largest state in the union with over 40 million people, only 7% in the entire state are black. They're concentrated in Los Angeles and in the Bay Area. In San Diego County, there are more Filipinos than there are blacks. So La Mesa is basically a white town. Some Hispanics, they've had a Hispanic mayor. They had a Hispanic mayor for years. A friend of mine, Art Madrid. And I wish he were there now. Because Saturday night, a thousand people gathered at the La Mesa City Hall and started a protest, which turned into violence. Two banks were burned to the ground. One, my old bank that I worked for for years, uh, Citibank, and, uh, and the Chase Bank, where I have my accounts now. These are names that are in my head all the time. And in a town where I used to transit through on my way from the community of Lemon Grove to my high school my senior year in San Diego. And then in my first year in college, I caught the bus every morning from uh, Lemon Grove to downtown La Mesa. And then I switched to the E-bus, which went down El Cajon Boulevard to College Boulevard. And there I would transfer to the S-bus. And that's how I got to college every day, Monday through Friday, uh, during my first year in college, 1958-59. So I'm really familiar with it. But on top of that, I was married and I'm, I got married in 1973. We bought our first house in 1975 on the outskirts of La Mesa, just outside the city limits. And then in 1977, I actually bought a house in La Mesa. 92041 was the zip code. So I'm very, very familiar with La Mesa. I was shocked when I found out Sunday morning that a thousand people had rioted and burned buildings to the ground and destroyed uh, businesses and looted uh, Vons and a Target. I'm sorry, but I don't approve of looting in any shape or form by anyone in the United States of America. And so I was, I was literally shocked. Now, National Guardsmen weren't called out, but I'm sure they're, uh, well, they were called out for Los Angeles. Uh, I don't know whether we'll have any in, uh, in uh, San Diego County uh, this weekend, but there were uh, National Guardsmen on the streets in Los Angeles arresting people, uh, supporting uh, the sheriffs and the L.A. Police Department. Uh, here, the local police departments in the cities handled it. We've got curfews now. La Mesa has a curfew. El Cajon, the city next to it, has a curfew. Poway, the city just north of it, has a, a curfew. The county of San Diego for unincorporated areas has curfews. Curfews are all over the United States now. All over the Some of them start like at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. That's not what should be happening in the United States of America, but it is. And so what's the president of the United States doing about it? He's threatening to send soldiers and Marines into all the cities where there is protests if the governors don't clamp down. Well, I'm sorry, Mr. President, but we don't need the U.S. Army out in the streets or the U.S. Marines like they were in 1992 in Los Angeles during the giant riot there. But there, there 50 people died. Billions of dollars in damage were were uh, committed by the uh, rioters. And it took the U.S. Marines uh, from Camp Pendleton 
General or President uh, George H.W. Bush ordered the Marines to go north from Camp Pendleton to Los Angeles to patrol the streets and to calm the situation down. It's the only time in my lifetime that federal troops have been involved in something like this. So now the president is threatening to flood the cities with U.S. soldiers. He would use uh, the Insurrection Act of 1807 to do so. But the governor has to ask first. The governor of every state is commander-in-chief of the National Guard. He can call out the Guard as many as he has, if he wants to, and put them on the streets. If that's not enough, he can then ask the president, but the president can't on his own determine to send troops out. So I have an alternative that President Trump should do. He should have his people contact the biggest black church in Washington, D.C., and set up a visit by the president, by himself. I mean, yeah, people around him, what have you. But have the president of the United States take the pulpit of the largest black congregation in Washington, D.C., and give a speech of peace and honor and justice, and that he personally will support the civil rights and civil liberties of everyone in that church, everyone in the country, and do it without the U.S. Army. He can do it with the FBI and the Department of Justice and the governors. But if he did that by himself, it would be so thrilling to have the President of the United States stand up like a man and say these things and do these things. But when I watched him this morning, he wasn't acting that way. He wasn't even trying. That's what we need right now, is a leader to lead us out of this morass. It wasn't an accident that killed George Floyd. And it wasn't an accident that it was videotaped. And it wasn't an accident that it was all over the world by the internet within minutes. And it wasn't an accident. It isn't an accident that there are protests in New Zealand and Great Britain and other countries as well. They see the problem, the deep-seated problem that has surfaced once again in America. Racism. The only way to end it is for the President of the United States to lead the way. We got all the laws on the books that we need. His silly move of declaring Antifa, the anti-fascist protesters that are really left-wing nuts, that he's going to declare them a terrorist organization. By what law is he going to do that? We don't have a law to declare American groups terrorism. It is not a group. It has no leader. It is not a group. So how's he going to declare it a terrorist organization? It has no headquarters. It has no membership. Just a bunch of left-wing punks that show up whenever there's a problem. And with our transit system around the world, around the United States, that's not hard to do. Mr. President, stand up like a man. Lead. Turn into a leader.
It's not too late. You still have time. Be a leader. Lead America out of this mess. Thank you. This is Raul Lowry Contreras, and this is the Contreras Report and Hispanic View of the United States. Thank you for being there, and we'll talk to you again soon.